Hi, and welcome back to the Story Savant Podcast, where we geek out about stories and pull insights from them that will make us better human beings, all while going about our day, raising the kids, paying the bills, and striving to become passionate, empathetic players in our own lives. You feel me? I'm Liesl Hill, author, entrepreneur, and story lover. I believe consuming stories in any form encourages Christian values, increases spirituality, and helps us develop a more transcendent, godlike understanding of the world around us, the universe at large, and God's plan for us in it. Come join me. Let's talk stories. Hello there, story savants. How's everyone doing today? I am excited today to talk about the five reasons human beings desperately need stories in their lives. So this is going to be a discussion about how they affect us and what they teach us and why we so desperately need them. So come along with me. It's going to be an interesting discussion. Break for the intro. Okay. Why do we need stories so much? I'm going to talk a little bit about escapism and catharsis. Those are kind of big words, but don't be afraid of them. What does catharsis mean? It's pretty much an English term, and English majors are the ones who usually use it. It can have a lot of different definitions, but to me, a catharsis is simply a release of your emotions. So the biggest way in which human beings achieve this is, for example, through crying. We get very emotional about something, we need to release that emotion, and we cry. Of course, there's a lot of ways to do it. Some people don't cry. Some people have other ways to release it. Stories help us release those emotions through catharsis. It can be done a lot of different ways. It doesn't have to be a sad thing. It doesn't have to be a crying thing. Sometimes we feel anger on behalf of a character, and that can be a catharsis. Sometimes we feel joy and triumph when we see a character triumph, and that can be a catharsis. So there's a lot of different ways in which this happens, and this is all part of escapism. Let's talk about escapism for a minute. I'm going to tell you a little story. I was a big fan of the TV show 24 back in the day. You know, Kiefer Sutherland, Jack Bauer. I really loved it. It was super addicting, and it was just fun to watch. It had a lot of fun drama. They they did a really excellent job with characterization in that show, such that if you watched just a couple of episodes, you had all of the characters pegged, and you just loved them and wanted to follow them. But I remember reading an article, and this was years ago when the show was still on, so it was probably before the rise of digital media, and I think I was reading it in an actual print magazine. And it was basically bashing 24, saying that it was a terrible show, and it didn't know why it had so many viewers, because it was just pure escapism. And I remember reading that and kind of chuckling and going, well, yeah, (laughs) of course it is. (laughs) Don't get me wrong, the article was correct in that it was not a realistic show. What was portrayed there is not how the world works or how terrorists are generally caught, but that's not the point. People need escapism, and everything about the show was escapism, and that is exactly why people liked it. Now, granted, you might argue that some people believed that what they saw in the show was true, and perhaps, you know, we need to take that into account and make sure people are getting the correct information. But in terms of the story, people don't consume stories in order to learn facts. They consume stories for escapism. That's why they do it. This show had edge-of-your-seat action, it had humor, it had characters you loved, it had a lot of excitement. It was a show that was done in real time, so every hour was just an hour passing, and you couldn't wait to see what happened in the next hour. So all of the episodes, by definition, were cliffhangers. I mean, it had every element that would bring people back again and again and again to watch it. Now, maybe it wasn't your cup of tea, but my point is that calling something escapism as though that's a negative thing is a little bit ridiculous. The point of creating novels and TV shows is to create escapism. (laughs) It would be akin to saying a recipe shouldn't be made because it's cooking. Well, yeah, of course it is. That's the point. (laughs) 
<laughs> so before I get into my five points about why human beings need stories so much, I'm going to tell you one more quick story. My older sister was a criminal justice major when she was in college. She told me the story. It was something she read in class. Unfortunately, I, I don't have a reference for it, but I'm just going to tell it in a very broad way anyway. So there was a young boy who came from the wrong side of the tracks. He was from, you know, the inner city or the wrong side of town, as they call it. And he would sort of look over to the richer houses, the more wealthy people, and wonder what was different between them and the neighborhood he came from. He thought there had to be something that would illustrate the difference, like why they were rich versus the people he lived around were poor. He sort of made a study of this you know, trying to observe what they had in their houses, what they owned, things like that, looking for something that would explain it. The conclusion that he eventually came to was that there was one thing that all of the wealthy houses had, that all of those people had in their houses, that people from his side of the tracks did not have. The answer was books. The wealthier people had books in their houses, and people from his neighborhood had never read a book, had never owned a book. Now, this is a story that would have taken place, oh, I don't know, 20 years ago, maybe more. I'm not sure how old this guy was who told the story, but they would have been physical print books, you know, it was before the digital revolution. And granted, these books in the wealthy houses were more than likely nonfiction books, you know, before Kindles and the internet, people who were computer programmers had computer programming books in their house. People who were doctors had medical books and so on and so forth. But the fact is that they used books to teach themselves things about life, and that's how they became successful. So my podcast mostly focuses on fiction. One caveat to that is that even nonfiction usually tells a story. So if we're watching reality TV or a talk show, they're still telling people stories, right? True crime, you know, even nonfiction most of the time tells stories. But my question today is, can fiction teach us something? If it does, what? I think you probably know that the answer is yes, it does teach us things. So what does it teach us? And that's going to lead me right into the five reasons human beings so desperately need stories. The first reason is an emotional one, and I did talk about this yesterday a little bit. Consuming stories make us kinder and more compassionate human beings. So, another little story to illustrate. Several years ago, I went to a writer's conference, and there was a presentation that was on this very subject. I don't remember what it was called, but something like the psychology of stories or something like that. And that's exactly something I'm interested in, so I went to it, and I was delighted to find out that two women were giving the presentation together, and one of them was one of my old professors from Weber State University. So, afterward, I went up and talked to her, and I think she kind of recognized me. <laughs> but anyway, back to the point. Their presentation talked about how, with the technology we have these days, because we are kind of on the cusp of technology that is Star Trekian in nature, totally a word, we can measure the brain and what part of the brain lights up when it is stimulated in various ways. So what they found is that people who, she was specifically talking about reading books, people who read fiction are much, much more empathetic with their fellow human beings than people who don't. Now, this does extend to all ways that you might consume a story. So yes, it is true that people who watch Netflix are more compassionate than people who don't. <laughs> Hear that? I'm giving you permission to go watch Netflix in order to become a better human being. But of course, because of the differences between stories on the screen versus in a book, people who read books are more compassionate to a greater degree, have greater empathy. And, and that makes sense. We all, we all know when you're watching something on a screen, Screen. You see what's happening and you hear the dialogue and the actors strive to convey their emotions through their facial expressions. But when you're in a book, you can go a lot deeper than that. You have their feelings, you have their thoughts, you have their conclusions, you're spending time inside their head. So it's just a deeper emotional experience. But the point is, 
anybody who consumes stories, who really identifies with characters, feels the emotions of those stories, it makes them, even neurologically, more compassionate than people who simply don't. So by the same token as the wealthy people in the story I told have books which taught them how to be successful, consuming fiction stories teaches us how to be empathetic. And like any other skill, Feeling emotion is something we need to practice. If we don't practice feeling emotion, don't practice acting on that emotion, we're never going to be good at it. Consuming stories gives us practice doing that. And this is true of any genre. It always helps us to feel emotions. Thrillers produce adrenaline and get us really excited about life. Tragedy teaches us compassion, how to deal with difficult situations. Comedy, of course, laughing is a catharsis all itself. Romance might kind of turn us on. I mean, it doesn't matter which genre. This is true across the board. Now, let's move on to the second point. The second big reason that humans need stories is psychological. We need to see people triumph. I touched on this just a tad yesterday. We need to see victories that are not our own. Let me unpack this a little bit. Some years ago, <laughs> it feels like all of my stories are starting out a few years ago when I went to a writer's conference, but I do go to them a lot. I try to do one or two a year, so that's where a lot of this comes from. So I went to a conference down, it's called LTUE, it's in Southern Utah, BYU. And I listened to, it was actually not a workshop, it was a thesis paper that was written by author Michael Brent Collins, who's a fabulous author, go check him out. And it was about how, or why, I guess I should say, so many Christians love the horror genre. Now this paper focused specifically on my own religion, which I'm a Christian and a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And it was about why we, our religion, likes horror so much. And the reason that is surprising to people is because we're actually very happy, hopeful, sunny people. And so it confuses people that we like the horror genre so much. And I've even gotten that in my own writing, kind of this, what's a nice Christian girl like you doing writing about serial killers? And sometimes it's hard to come up with an answer. I, I don't know. They fascinate me. Not in a creepy way. I, I, I just do. I like them and, and they're interesting. And so that's part of the reason I wanted to listen to his paper, because he basically did a, an academic paper about why this is the case. And I'm not going to go into all of the nuances of it, of course, but the basic conclusion is this. The horror genre gets into really dark, gritty territory, right? So whether it's middle grade, like Goosebumps, all the way up to Stephen King or The Walking Dead or slasher movies, we're dealing with really terrifying stuff, really dark stuff, being afraid, violence, stuff like that. And the farther you slide into darkness, the farther back you have to come in order to achieve redemption, right? The path is going to be longer because it got so dark. And that actually is at the root of why we like it so much. All Christians believe in redemption, right? We believe in the atonement, things like that. But we're not the only ones who believe in those things. Plenty of other religions also have redemption stories that are built into their dogma. We as human beings need to believe in redemption because at its core, redemption is about hope. It's about knowing that we're imperfect, we're going to screw up, and that it's possible for us to come back from that. That's the definition of redemption. So that's why we like horror so much. Even though it gets into really dark, gritty territory, and maybe you don't like the horror genre, maybe it's not for you, that's fine. But the reason people in general like it is because the darker it is, the harder it is for the characters to claw their way back into the light, and that is a visceral struggle that we identify with. Now, that discussion was all about horror specifically, but I would say Submit that it is true of any story. In any story, we have imperfect characters and we have a problem, something that goes wrong, something that's thrown at them, something they're going to have to overcome. So it may not be the horror genre necessarily, but we're still watching them overcome something. We're still watching them mess up and be redeemed. We're still watching them fight against 
you know, terrible odds, impossible odds. And we as human beings, we need that. It affects our spiritual and psychological health because we need to believe that if this character can overcome these odds, and a lot of times they're very fantastical things that we're not going to have to face in our lives. They could be zombies or, or dragons or, you know, anything. Then we believe that we can face our problems too. I also wanted to mention police procedurals. I happen to love police procedurals and they get a lot of flack for being unrealistic. Now, just like 24, I'm not going to claim that they're super realistic. People criticize them because we tend to see the cops, whether they be policemen or detectives or FBI agents, what have you, have a murder case and they get it solved in an hour every week. And people laugh at that and say it's unrealistic. Well, yeah, you're right. It is. Cases can take months or years to solve. But again, that's kind of not the point where story is concerned. Police procedurals are so successful and so addictive because in an hour's time, we see them face a problem with really high stakes, really dark stakes, because they're up against a murder, right? It doesn't it doesn't really get any higher than that. And by the end of the episode, I mean, a lot of things happen. There tends to be a lot of tragedy. There tends to be some adrenaline. If there's a police chase, you know, we see the characters going through all these things. But by the end, they triumph. And it is a very classic triumphing of good over evil. And that's something that we need in our lives. We need to see that. We need to experience that. Yes, we do get a little addicted to that, which isn't always a good thing. But there's a reason that those types of shows or books are so successful. People really, really identify with them and even need that sort of thing in their life in order to face their own demons. Uh, which brings me to our third reason why we need stories so much, and that is that we need to escape our lives sometimes. Now, that may seem like that's what I'm talking about in general anyway, but what I mean specifically is that as much as we may love our lives, sometimes we just need to step out of them. It could be because we don't love our lives, we need to step away because it's boring or stressful or traumatic or maybe none of those things apply, but we just want to do something different. And this is true of all things. As much as I love writing, I couldn't do it 20 hours a day, seven days a week. I would get burnt out. You know, your favorite activity in the world may be something like surfing, but could you do that 24-7, 365? No. You go do it, you have a good time, and then you go do something else. And escapism is just a natural way for us to do that. We kind of step out of our own lives for a short amount of time, step into someone else's life, into the character's head, and we see them triumph, we see them gain some sort of victory, we feel an emotional catharsis through their story, and then we come back to our own lives, and we're refreshed, and we're ready to take on our own challenges. Moderation in all things, but escapism is an essential part of who we are. It is needed desperately for our own sanity in our lives. The fourth reason we need stories so much, this may seem a little bit on the ridiculous side, but I decided to include it anyway because I truly believe that it's true to an extent, and that is that even fictional stories can prepare us for real-life situations. For example, I told you that I liked police procedurals. I also like true crime a lot. I watch a lot of true crime, like the ID channel and true crime documentaries and that sort of thing. And when you're watching true crime, you kind of can't help but put yourself in the victim's place or possibly in the, in the policeman's place or the family member's place, so you end up sitting there watching it going, okay, so if I I ever ended up in some creep's trunk and then you figure out exactly what you would do you know as soon as he opens the trunk I'm gonna fight like crazy I'm gonna kick him where it's gonna hurt him most and you know you go on and on and on now of course we tend to be very cavalier about this sort of thing it's easy enough to think that sort of thing when we're at home feeling super safe in our you know own homes we're not taking into account fear we're not taking into account fight or flight we're not taking into account you know sometimes the physicality of things most women would like to think they could get away but depending on how big this guy is how prepared he 
priority is, could we really? I mean, of, of course, there's there's things that we can't necessarily be prepared for. But all of that said, it's also true that anything you prepare for in your mind, you're more likely to be able to handle it when it happens. It's exactly the same as when you see campaigns that say you need to talk to your kids about drinking, you need to talk to your kids about drugs. Of course, you can't control every situation and ultimately the decision will be theirs. Parents who talk to their kids about it beforehand and sit down and tell them what they expect and what they want them to do, kids are more likely to make a correct choice in those situations. It's the same thing here. That's all I'm saying. If you've thought about it beforehand, you're more likely to be able to handle the situation logically, which means you're more likely to be able to get through it. So if I were ever jumped by someone who was looking to do bad things to me, yeah, it's possible that I still, no matter what, wouldn't be able to get out of it. But I certainly am going to have a much better chance if I've thought about beforehand what I might do, if I can tell myself to think logically rather than just sitting there and screaming and not knowing what to do, right? So in that way, I think that stories can prepare us for real-life situations. Another example I like to use is The Walking Dead. I'm sure you're shocked. You know that I love that. One problem I have with dystopians in terms of reality, and understand that I'm not bashing dystopians. I have a dystopian that uh, series that I'm writing. But one thing that they do a lot is they have a single po- post-apocalyptic event that tends to completely decimate the population. And while I think there's some reality in that, I don't think that the population would be decimated quite to the extent that they always put into the story. So I can see something like a virus, be it a zombie virus or something else, definitely taking down the population. But I think it would be a little like the medieval plague. It would cut the population by a half or two thirds. But there are 7 million people on the planet and a great many of them are extremely intelligent. We have the internet to help us prepare. So I, while I think the, de- the population, if that happened, again, we're talking if that happened, would be decimated I don't think it would be a matter of having 25 people left on the earth. I think not just hundreds or thousands, I think millions would survive. It would just be significantly fewer millions than what we have now. But a part of the reason for that survival is exactly dystopian, apocalyptic stories, right? Because we watch these things, because we read about them, because it causes people to become prepared and to know what they would do in that situation. And I I mean, I get that a more decimated population makes for a better story. So, hey, I'm all for that. But in terms of reality, (laughs) these things prepare us to the extent that I think a lot more people would survive than is generally given credit for in those stories. Okay, finally, let's get to the fifth and final reason that we need stories so much. They teach us critical thinking. This is a little bit more cerebral, but have you ever noticed when you watch a story or read a story that you'll see something, a tiny detail, and you instantly just know that that's going to be important in the story later on? Well, that's because you're used to watching stories. You're used to, for example, watching movies and knowing that the filmmakers only put in things that are going to be super important. So let me give you an example. Old movie, um, now, uh, What Lies Beneath, horror movie, Michelle Pfeiffer, Harrison Ford, really great movie. There's a part in the first, I don't know, third of the movie where she goes to visit her husband at work and they're experimenting with an anesthetic and they're like experimenting on lab rats and they talk about how it doesn't hurt the rat and it doesn't even actually knock them unconscious, but it renders them completely numb so they can't move for a certain amount of time. Now at the time that didn't seem to have anything at all to do with the story, but it was kind of a detail she just kind of heard in passing when she went through her husband's lab and 
I remember thinking that was going to end up being important in the story. And then talking to my family members afterward, remember, we always sit around and discuss. Everyone said that, yeah, I knew that was going to come back in. I knew that was going to be part of the story. And it was because it seemed like such a random detail, but we knew that they wouldn't put that in unless it was important. And sure enough, it came up near the climax of the story in a big way. So what's that got to do with critical thinking? My point is that people who watch stories learn to consider the story as a whole. They learn to look at every part of it and what it means. It teaches critical thinking skills. It teaches resourcefulness, it teaches problem solving, and it teaches to see the big picture, which is a skill in and of itself, rather than just reacting in the moment. Those are all really important skills for success and survival in day-to-day life, and people who consume stories have them to a greater degree than people who don't. After all five points, let's come back to my question, which was, can fiction teach us something and what? The answer, of course, is yes. It teaches us a lot of things. It teaches us to be kind. It teaches us to be humane and have compassion. It teaches us to be prepared. It teaches us to have hope in victory. It teaches us to think ahead and see the big picture. All of these are skills that only people who consume stories have in abundance. And of course, it's important to note that most people don't think about these things consciously as they're watching stories. Writers probably do. I certainly do. But most people aren't watching the latest Avengers movie going, hmm, how is this going to affect my spirituality in the long term? No, they don't They do not do that at all. They're, bit, they're there for the very pretty actors and the explosions and the excitement and the superpowers. But anything that we feel or learn that is emotional, that is not learning of the mind. That is learning of the soul. So stories teach us values and qualities that enrich our lives and make us better human beings and help us to become the people God wants us to be. That is all soul learning. So I'm going to wrap this up for today. I hope you enjoyed the five reasons human beings need stories. A little note on next time, we are going to get into actually deconstructing stories. Again, don't let that that word worry you. We're just going to really analyze them and we're going to start to get into some different ways to analyze them. I'm going to give you my nine essential plot points for a page-turning story. It's what I use to write. It's what I use to dissect stories. Remember last time I told you about the workshop I taught and how people said it was life-changing? What I was teaching were these nine essential plot points. So we're going to go over that next time. The examples I use, I'm going to take them from The Lord of the Rings, specifically the Fellowship of the Ring movie. I don't think I'll be using any plot points that are different from book to movie, but I tend to like to focus on the movies because A, people are more more likely to have seen the movie than read the book, and B, if you're one of the only people in the free world who has not seen The Lord of the Rings, it's much easier to sit down sometime this week and watch the movie before you listen to the next podcast rather than read the book. Most people would prefer to do that. Let me also say that you don't absolutely have to have watched it or read it before you listen to the next podcast, so if you haven't, listen anyway. I will explain the story points, but it will certainly mean a lot more to you if you're familiar with the story. As we start going into stories, I'll start with some that are super familiar, so things like Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, Star Wars, things that most people are familiar with, and I will try to give you notice ahead of time of what we'll be talking about. So yeah, that's all I've got for today. We will dissect Frodo's journey next time. Can't wait. Thanks for joining me today. You can find all my fiction on my website at authorlkhill.com forward slash books. If you found value in anything you heard today, do me a favor and go leave me a review on iTunes. It's the best and easiest way that you can thank me and help others to find and be inspired by the same concepts. Together, we can lift each other through our stories to new heights of understanding and compassion for our fellow man and gain an eternal godlike perspective on our own spirituality. So go consume some stories today. I give you permission.